You're listening to Recovery Survey, the podcast that shatters stigmas around different types of addictions and takes a deep dive into spiritual principles. At 17, I wound up getting pregnant and having my daughter. Becoming a mother wasn't sufficient enough of a reason to stop drinking, to stop partying, to stop seeking out how to self-medicate. My guest today is named Andy Hoffer. She is a former nuclear engineer. She currently runs her own fitness and coaching business, and she is an amateur bodybuilder. Welcome to the show, Andy. Well, Andy, I'd love to jump right in. Maybe you could start by telling us a little bit about your childhood and, and kind of how the whole addiction began. So I grew up in a culture where it's pretty normal to have uh, children try just a little bit of alcohol. Um, you know, that that's kind of the norm, just a little bit, just to have them make a face. But, you know, when I was very young, I knew that I loved it. Like I absolutely took to it. I was one of those people that I really um, idolized what being drunk meant. And, you know, I saw the family parties and, you know, what that came along with. And there's always a party in my family, you know, we're Hispanic, so we have a huge (laughs) family. So there's always a reason to celebrate. And so I grew up seeing that alcohol was a part of family life. It was a part of just the culture in general. So, um, you know, I always joke about how you know, when I was little, that they would give me like a little cap full of vodka. And I loved it. And, you know, my dad would be like, Oh, we're not gonna give you any more. like, get out of here. Like, we'll give you some later. And of course, later came and I'd be like, Hey, dad, where's my vodka? And, <laughs> you know, this is like eight or nine years old that I'm still asking for alcohol, which could be an indicator or could just be, um, you know, just what kids do, right? So because I saw, you know, the festivities and how, you know, drinking meant to get drunk, that was kind of the measuring stick that I had my whole life was, you know, when I drink, I'm going to get drunk. When other people drink, they are going to get drunk. There is no sort of in between. Like if you only did one drink, there was something wrong with you. Like you couldn't hang, like you were a square, like they're like you were not somebody that I could be around. And um that that was just how I lived. I surrounded myself with other alcoholics or people who drank to excess. Um, and so I normalized my behavior by doing that. And, you know, that went on, you know, and I had jackpot after jackpot after jackpot. Um, And as I had mentioned before, you know, at 17, I wound up uh, getting pregnant and having my daughter. And it wasn't even like, thank God, I never drank while I was pregnant. But becoming a mother wasn't sufficient enough of a reason to you know, stop drinking, to stop partying, to stop seeking out how to self-medicate. A big part of my story is the this idea that like I was a shitty mom. Like people would be like, oh no, Andy, you were right. No, I, you know, did 
stuff to my daughter. I was violent with her. I was angry. I was neglectful. I did the things to, you know, sort of create an environment of chaos for her. And, um, you know, I often would leave her at my mother's and just go drink. Um, I was very irresponsible. And so I own that today. Um, And just moving sort of forward in time, like I really didn't have a relationship with her. Um, I was doing quote unquote, all the right things. I was going to school. I had a job, but you know, I really couldn't hang on to any relationships with family, friends, partners. Like they, like people were just like water in my hand. Like I could not keep people in my life. And there was always some drama happening. It was always like, you know, Things will get better once I get my my shit together. You know, once this next thing gets fixed, like things will will sort themselves out. Like I'll be fine after that. I'll be fine. So deep down somewhere, I like always knew that there was something fundamentally wrong with how I was living. I just didn't know what it was. And, um, you know, I was one of those drunk people that like I could not just have one. As I mentioned before, like I assume that people who only had one were, you know, there was something wrong with them. But I wanted to, uh, you know, be the life of the party. I wanted to have fun. And so, you know, we could be going to a communion and I would be pre-gaming. Like it, it, just the insanity of it was like, you know, just crazy. So by the end of my drinking back in 2014, I was, you know, drinking every day. You know, life wasn't a party. I was going to work, coming home and, you know, just cracking open beer, wine, whatever I had in the fridge. And, oh, it's Tuesday, like, yay. And, you know, I'd been through multiple relationships. I'd been through multiple um you know, just friends, family, roommates, everything just, it was never like, I couldn't get it together. You know, at that time I had been seeing somebody and they were on the precipice of leaving me. And I'm like, Oh, you know, well, you can't leave me right now because I'm going to start going to therapy. And they were like, okay, fine. So I started going to therapy as like a way to keep somebody in my life. And, you know, I'm still half-assing it. Like, I'm not really taking it seriously. But um, what wound up happening was, you know, they they still realized that I wasn't trying to change. So they, you know, threatened to leave me again. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You can't leave me because I'm going to stop drinking. Like, I just blurted that out. Like, I don't know where it came from. And they were like, oh, okay. But I still wasn't ready to stop drinking. Then it became the bargaining, the, oh, I'll only do it on weekends. I'll only do it at parties, you know, at birthdays. Like, it'll be rare. I'll only do beer, not alcohol. I'll drink one drink and then one water. Like, all the crazy ways to try to manage it. Like, it was just not, like, I'll just stop. It was like, I'm trying to negotiate my way to stay drinking, So once all of that, you know, didn't work out, um, I remember I had organized a function for my job at the time. And, you know, it was one of those, like, you know, where you go to the bar and you paint something and like you're drinking. Um, 
I wasn't particularly drunk. I wasn't particularly out of my mind. Like nobody really noticed, but you know, that had crossed the line to um, get drunk at a work function. And so I'm walking home and I, I had my moment where I was like, Oh, maybe I can't control this. I mean, let alone the jackpots, let alone the drunk driving, the the self-abuse, let alone the, you know, waking up with random people, let alone throwing up and the peeing on myself, like let alone all of those horrific things that happened to me. But getting, you know, a little tipsy at a work function, that that was the line. That was where I was like, oh, okay, this is a problem. This is where I've got a problem. So um, I wind up deciding, you know, I'm just not going to drink. That's easy. So I stopped drinking. And for 10 months, my program was avoidance and isolation. I knew I couldn't see friends because I would drink. I knew I couldn't hang out with family because I would drink. Um, I didn't have a relationship with my daughter, really. So, you know, every day I would go to work, come home, give her my credit card to go order herself some food. And by this time, she's like 14 years old. So, of course, she's eating like pizza every day. And, you know, she, um, you know, I just go in my room, shut the door, and I just cry myself to sleep. So I spent... 10 months like that, 10 months locked in my room because I knew I could not leave the room in safety. Oh, I hadn't planned to cry. <laughs> but, um, you know, by the end of those 10 months, I called my cousin and I said, you know, I think I have like this weird disease where uh, I need to drink to be happy. Like, I don't know what to do. And she's like, well, this is kind of above my pay grade. So maybe you should tell your therapist. And I said, okay, yeah, I'll do that. So the next day I talked to my therapist and they're like, well, you, there's meetings for that. And I'm like, mm, nope, not an alcoholic. I just have to drink. Like, don't you see my resume? Don't you see, like I own homes, like the cars, like I can get friends if I want. I just can't keep them. Like I'm, I've got money. I've got everything. Like I'm well-dressed. I'm not that. That's not me. And um, he was like, okay. And I said, but you know what? Just to prove that I'm not as like a last ditch effort, I'm going to go to a meeting. I said, that's it. I'm just going to, I'm going to go to a meeting just to prove you wrong. So it took me about a week. I found one that was down the street from my job. Lunchtime meeting was not inconvenienced by it whatsoever. It fit into my schedule. And so I show up to this meeting and I sit in the back in the corner, clutching my purse. And this is at, you know, a university. So everybody there's like an academic and I'm like afraid people are going to steal my little purse here. And I'm totally judging everybody who's coming in that like, I'm not one of you. I'm not one of you. I'm not one of you. And the man who spoke that day, he he, he couldn't have been further from the opposite of who I am. He's like this older white gentleman who was a philosopher. And, you know, when he started speaking, he started telling my story. He started talking about the way I felt, the things that I had trapped in my head. He was saying them out loud. And I was just like, okay, that, that this is where I need to be. And I raised my hand and I 
said, you know, I'm Andy and I'm an alcoholic. And from there, my program just took off. I, you know, decided um, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to get all the help that I can. I started working with a sponsor. I did the 12 steps and then I started sponsoring women. I show up to meetings. I reach out to other alcoholics. I read the literature. I do writing. I, um, you know, I do prayer and meditation. Like I threw myself into this program because I knew that if there was anything that I needed to do for myself, it was this. And, um, the way that I knew that the program was working was, you know, one day when, you know, my daughter, she's in high school and, you know, she's going to school and I'd never made her a lunch, you know, in all her entire school years. And, um, I remember, you know, I asked her, I'm like, Hey, you know, like, can I make you a lunch? She's like, yeah, sure. So I made her a lunch for like a week. And then one day she came to me and she said, Hey, can you make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. Uh-huh. So she leaves the room and I'm like making this peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I just start bawling my eyes out and she comes running back in the room and she's like, why are you crying? And I was just like, you know, because I just love you so much. And I, you know, I get to make you this peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And she turns around. She's like, you're so weird. And she walked out. And at that moment, I knew I would rather be the weird mom than be the drunk mom. That was the first time that she ever asked me for anything was this stupid peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I will never forget that moment because to me, it indicated that my life was healing, that something had happened, something had shifted. And that, that right there, the pure moment of her asking me for something, relying on me for something so small was like, yeah, that. That happened. And so, yeah, so that's what my program sort of looks like now. I still uh, work with women. I still have my sponsor. My sponsor has a sponsor. Um, More recently, uh, well, more recently, I want to say, you know, five years ago, I had started doing yoga and sort of integrated a spiritual practice through yoga. And uh, last year, because of COVID, I had the opportunity to take a, um, I was invited to leave my company (laughs) as sort of a voluntary layoff. And so I took the opportunity so I could go back to school because I really find it empowering to be able to help people with movement and physical aspects of their life. Because to me, if you're trapped in sort of this body that you can't, you know, that's with pain and suffering, like, especially if you're in an accident, um, you know, you can't really be connected with a higher source. And so to me, it's, it's just been, kind of pulling me in that direction. I became a personal trainer uh, over a year ago. I've been running my own company, like working with people to get them stronger, to get them more flexible, to recover from sort of what their body has kind of imprisoned them to do. And um, I guess I'll just finish with this is that like, you know, the the way that I knew that this was my calling was um, I had a, a student who, you know, she's, 75 years old and 
you know, at the end of class, she came up to me and said, you know, Andy, I just, I want to say thank you because she had gone to camp with her family. And this was the first time in 25 years that she'd pitched her own tent. She had never been able to get up and stand up and go down and up and down trying to pitch a tent because she had not, she didn't have the strength anymore. She wasn't able to move because she'd always just been kind of trapped in her body. And so that to me reflected, you know, the program outside of the, the yoga and everything. It was like, you know, if I can help free people from, you know, this prison of their mind with, um, you know, alcoholism and sponsoring them, I can also free them from the prison of their bodies in the physical world too. So, and I think those two things kind of just go hand in hand. So that's where I'm at right now. That's my life in a nutshell. That's incredible. And I was curious, as you were talking about the yoga, do you, uh, do you offer any kind of program for people that are in recovery and have something where you kind of take elements of a recovery program and, and mix it in there with the yoga or is the yoga specifically just for people to help them with, with the physical aspects, like you mentioned about like strength training and, and mobility. So the yoga in and of itself, the type of yoga that I teach is called Ashtanga yoga, which is, it's an eight limbed path that has different aspects of it, which is the physical part. It is the connection to your spirit. It's, it's more than just, um, you know, it's gratitude. It's it's all these teachings that sort of are combined, especially when you're talking to people about their movement patterns and how they their thought processes kind of evolve as they come into the practice itself, because it, it's a pretty challenging um, practice. And through that, you know, the teachings of yoga align actually pretty well with program. You know, it, it's, it's this negative self-talk that you're trying to get rid of. It's this idea that, you know, there's something greater than yourself, that it's something that, you know, a connection to a higher source, to a higher power, to whatever you want to call it, if it's God or whatever, that it's beyond this, but, you know, when people think of yoga, they just think of the poses and the exercise and everything. But as you're learning it, those sort of teachings integrate into that. I mean, if you get a good teacher anyways, like they will integrate the way these sort of teachings into the way that they teach it, because um, that that's the root foundation of yoga is this sort of lifestyle um, principles that come with it too. So um for me, that's the language that I use. And I tend to integrate a lot of program stuff because, you know, that's where I found healing is, you know, all these uh, program discussions, topics, things that like I related to. So those are the things that I speak to in my, in my classes. Oh, very cool. I had a guest on a while back, man, it's probably a year or so ago, maybe longer. I, it, the way time flies, it's hard to remember uh, a guy named Aaron Paregis and he does a, a recovery yoga program and he takes like a little section out of the big book or the daily reflection. And he, he, he mixes that in with his teaching. So I guess I, I haven't attended any of his classes, unfortunately, but I, I think he's doing some virtual ones, but he, he takes a little section and then that that's part of like the meditation process as you're doing the yoga is like reflecting on, on that, uh, 
on that little section. And I thought that was a, a really awesome concept. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate teachers who tie it in one-to-one. Um, I know that there's a teacher out here named Tim Kelleher who used to run a, um, a, a, a recovering yogi uh, series out here that, you know, was like a first we'd have the yoga practice and, you know, really tie in aspects of the big book also, but then also we would sit around kind of like in an informal unsanctioned kind of nebulous anonymous meeting where, you know, you just talk about the things that were said in class, you know, if anything got brought up and, um, you know, just having that sort of balance between practice and discussion afterwards. So like the way that people like really identify with the two is just so special. It's, it's something that is just so powerful too. Awesome. Well, if you'd, if you'd like, um, I'd, like, I'd love to give you the opportunity to tell the listeners how they can get in contact with you. Maybe you can expand a little bit on the services you offer, uh, whether that's in person or virtual. Uh, just what, what's the best way to, to find you and get in contact with you? So I am on Instagram at a Hoffer Coaching. A Hoffer Coaching. Yeah, that's me. Um, my website is Andy Hoffer Coaching. My Facebook is also Andy Hoffer Coaching. Um, but, you know, just shoot me a DM on Instagram. Like, that's where I usually am kind of just spreading the word about, you know, my my trials and tribulations and sort of things that I've overcome. If you're more interested in my story, I share a lot of myself on there, especially as it comes to recovery. Um, I am a personal trainer. I'm also a yoga teacher and I do amateur bodybuilding, (laughs) but really my main focus on my, uh, on my business page is, you know, I I do fitness, nutrition and mindset program and the mindset part of it really ties in a lot of program stuff to it. You know, it's a lot of things, you know, try to get you out of your body to try to just serve a higher purpose. And, you know, we we tackle that through fitness and nutrition to start. And then the mindset kind of component comes in. So if you find me, I'll be there. Awesome. And I will be sure to have the links for all those different accounts and your website in the show notes. So if anybody is interested, they can scroll down in the app or on the website that they're listening to and then just click on those links to connect with you. Andy, thank you for coming on the show today. I really enjoyed our conversation. I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your journey and, and letting the listeners know the different services that you offer and just giving us that message of hope and letting, letting us know that there is a way to, to stop drinking, to, to find a new way of life, to find that fulfillment. Like you were talking about, you know, if you're in that place where you feel like the only thing that makes you happy or the only thing that brings you happiness is, is that drink, then it might be a good idea to maybe stop into a 12 step program and, and see if you identify or or reach out to one of us on, on social media or, you know, just continue listening to the podcast and maybe you'll hear somebody that, that shares something like Andy was talking about, you know, hearing someone else share your story. So thank you for coming on today. I really do appreciate it. And thank you for your service today. I really appreciate that you have a recovery podcast that I I think a lot of people can connect with hearing other people's stories. And so this is such a gift to the world. Thank you so much. Oh, I appreciate the kind words. Thank you. Andy, thank you so much for coming on the show today. 
I really appreciate you reinforcing that point that material things don't bring us happiness. Guys, I would encourage you to check out the links in the show notes to find out more about Andy. You've been listening to Recovery Survey. If you got anything out of today's episode, I'd ask you to please leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us at recoverysurvey.com. You can listen to all of our episodes on the website as well as connect with us on social media where you can get previews for upcoming episodes.